This episode is sponsored by Kendo UI. Kendo UI allows you to build better apps faster. They have a comprehensive library ranging from data grids and charts to buttons and sliders. Plus, you can use their components as plain JavaScript as well as in Angular, React, and Vue. They have a large collection of customizable popular themes like Bootstrap and Material. Go check them out at javascriptjabber.com slash kendoui. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. I'm Chris Fritz from the View Core team. Today on our panel, we have Joe Eames, teacher and organizer of Framework Summit. Hey, everybody. We also have Divya Sasidharan, View developer, contributor, and also organizing Framework Summit. Hello. And today our, we have three guests, actually. This is, I, th- I think, unprecedented on Views on View. And our guests are Jacob Schatz, Philip Lacerda, and Phil Hughes. Hiya. All hey. from GitLab. So we basically have like a GitLab panel of people who are joining us that, that actually almost, almost outnumber us if you had one more person. Or evenly matched. If we had a tug of war, it would be anybody's game. So could we, um, could we go around and just do a, a quick intro of each of you and you know, your, your role at GitLab and, and then we can jump into some questions. And Jacob, would you like to go first? Sure. So um, I started at GitLab as a front-end developer, the first front-end developer, and then I became a front-end lead. And most recently, um, I have joined the data science team as a staff data science uh, engineer and still using Vue there as well. Oh, cool. What about you, Philippa? Well, um, I'm, I've been a front-end engineer um, since I joined, um, and I've been working with the, with the CI-CD team and the security products team, mostly developing features there. Cool. And Phil Hughes? So I've been here two and a half years, and most recently I've been working on the web IDE. I guess it's the biggest main feature that everyone seems to know about now. Mm-hmm. Great. And how many time zones are all of you spread across? Because you're a distributed team at GitLab, right? Yeah, too many time zones to count. I think three, three people, three time zones. Is that correct? Oh, at least here, yeah. No, yeah. the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you and Phil are in the same time zone? Yeah. No. Oh. Yeah, like daylight saving times. Uh, uh, I see. I but thought you were, you were across, an hour off. Across GitLab, probably 16, maybe more. <laughs> wow. All right. So something I'm kind of curious about, you know, we, we had Philippa on before and we talked about, you know, the style guide at GitLab, uh, documentation, you know, division between components, you know, how they decide some of those things. And today I'd really like to take a step back and talk about like how GitLab decided to adopt Vue. Like what was that process like? Yeah, so it was sometime, I think it was in December, maybe, of 2006. I don't remember exactly the date. Somewhere there's a, there's a, a post in one of the issues where uh, we started talking about Vue, and uh, Phil and I started talking about it and, uh, you know, the benefits and all that stuff. And then Phil started taking a look, and he talked about it with our uh, one other developer. And uh, do, you remember, do you remember that, Phil? That was, a, that was a long time ago. We really have to jog our memory. Yeah, so it was over two years now. I remember the first chat with Jacob, and I was pretty adamant that we weren't going to use Vue. I didn't see the benefit of using it just for a single button. Oh, so that's we had, interesting. We had quite a lengthy discussion of Jacob trying to convince me that it was worthwhile. But in yeah. the end, I was like, sure, we'll just give it a go. Sort of, I guess it worked out well for us. 
Yeah. And, and at first we tried it. Um, I, so what I did is I created a proof of concept um, and I actually didn't complete my proof of concept um, because I wound up having to write all this Rails code to make it work because um, like the way that Rails is, you know, put together, I, I think it works best when you're like returning, when you're working with like an API or you're returning JSON or, you know, something similar to the way that Vue works today, which was not the way that our Rails was working at all. You know, it was all this Haml and stuff like that. So um, I did a bunch of projects on the outside and I was like, oh, wow, this is really, really, really easy. And and I just remember um, when I joined GitLab, um, Dimitri was, Dimitri's our CTO was like, hey, can you make our issue page, like close and open the issue um, with an Ajax call. And I remember I did it in jQuery and it was fine and it worked. And, you know, just even that, because there's like a status over here and there's a the button at the bottom and all these different things. I remember it was like quite a bit of jQuery code just to make that work and to catch all the different conditions. And I remember when I first tried out Vue and I was like, this is like, this is just so, so much less code. Um, yeah. And also like better organized. Like even yeah. I, I found that when I was using jQuery for stuff uh, or like on projects where, you know, there's already jQuery and, you know, I'm just, you know, adding a little bit more jQuery. I find that I have to do a lot more work to keep everything organized. Whereas with Vue, like it, it doesn't just give you like tools to do things like fast. It also gives you a way of organizing all of your code so that you don't have to think about, okay, well, where is this going to go? And, you know, should I have like this kind of function and then this kind of function? Yeah. And the interesting thing is that, especially in the beginning, I mean, I don't think Vuex was out yet, or I'm not sure. I don't, Phil, do you remember Vuex was out yet? I don't even think we even considered it at the time. We didn't, we definitely didn't consider it. And when I was looking at Vue in the beginning, even the state that Vue was in with, with no like clear, super clear instructions of how to organize the code, it was already easier to organize the code than it was uh, with the jQuery. Because with jQuery, you really have to, you have to make a, like an, uh, a really um, active, um, you have to make it an active part of your day to, to make sure that you don't start creating all this crazy spaghetti code. But with Vue, it's much less code and it's just easier to organize even without uh, the external tools. It was just um, really fantastic. It's, it's better encapsulated out of the box. Yes. That's a, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask a, a little bit of a follow-up question to that. So of the frameworks that are available today, there's kind of the scale on unopinion, unopinionated to highly opinionated, right? And Vue definitely doesn't fall on the highly opinionated end, but it doesn't also fall on the highly unopinionated end. So when you're talking about like organization of code and that sort of thing, that's usually one of the areas that falls into the opinionated section. So you found it to be very, you're saying you found it to be very uh, useful for helping you organize your code. Did you find it to be stifling in any way? Uh, or were you, did you obviously a lot better than jQuery because jQuery essentially gives you zilch. <laughs> but did you find it, find that you could still organize code the way that you wanted to organize it, uh, that you had some flexibility within it? Um, maybe speak to that a little bit. I think when we originally picked up Vue, I don't, I know that we, like we picked it because it made our lives easier and it was creating less code. I don't even necessarily think we picked it because of the organization factor um, behind it. I mean, it, it definitely was a help, but it wasn't like one of the major keystones. It happened to be uh, that too. But, uh, and I was saying this in uh, before that, you can write Vue in an unorganized way. Like you can definitely do that especially without Vuex and you can do it in like a, in your own opinionated way, which 
But then when you add on Vuex, you also have that super opinionated way. So in that way, it is both like opinionated and non-opinionated. And I think the way we started, Phil, you probably could talk about this, is that we started with like a very, like, let's just see, like, what are we, like, how are we going to write view? We didn't, we didn't start with like a super big, like opinionated plan in place, right? Yeah, we didn't really have a discussion of how we were going to do it. We sort of just went straight into it and didn't really think about it. And there's just probably still some code in there that resembles that, that we need to get rid of. We didn't really have a style guide either or best practices internally. It was just, let's write some view code and go for it. And everyone sort of had their own way of doing it. And it wasn't the best, really. But it was a huge improvement. It was a huge improvement over what we had before. One of the reasons we had to document everything because we didn't really thought, thought about it properly. So we ended up with a lot of view applications with different architectures inside GitLab at the same time. And that was very hard to maintain. And, and Philippa, you were coming into GitLab after they had already started adopting it, right? Yeah, Vue was already there. I think Phil had already uh, done two or three features we did. Um, I think issue boards were already done um, by the time I trained. So, so you come into it at this point and see like people just you know doing whatever they want, like the wild west of a code base. Yeah, and, and then I push forward for the documentation. Said, this yeah, is not, this is not how we do it. <laughs> I think that's extremely valuable. <laughs> so, uh, you moved away from from jQuery, and you know it sounds like part of the reason is you know you wanted to you wanted something to be a little bit more organized. Were there things that you needed to do that jQuery just wasn't cutting it for, or was it just was it just an organizational benefit? I think it was mainly not the organizational part, but the fact that the DOM manipulation, like with the issue boards, uh, well, Phil, Phil will know better, but like you have drag and drop and uh, a lot of DOM manipulation that in jQuery, uh, you, you couldn't do that fast. Or, well, if you do, you have a lot of DOM uh, to clean up after. Mm, so were there some performance issues with the jQuery in some cases? And it wasn't even necessarily the, it, the performance was one thing, but just the code, the sheer amount of code and the, the state management and just trying to write all that and keep it clean and take care of every situation. Because we did have, like, I think one of the first things that I wrote um, when it was, I think it was just Phil and I, um, was there's a sidebar in the issue, which you click it and it opens a drop down. And when I originally joined GitLab, to, you would click, um, save and it would refresh the whole page just to, it would close the drop down and refresh the whole page. And we wanted to make that an Ajax thing. And, um, there was just a lot of things to keep in mind. Um, cause you were essentially creating like an app there, just that sidebar with the four things was like its own little miniature app. There was a lot of state things to keep in mind when you're doing jQuery and you can easily miss that. And so there were like these little things that popped up and when you use view, um, kind of by binding to, uh, different variables, it kind of immediately gets rid of a lot of those bugs that you normally have in jQuery because you're not, because it's kind of taking care of all this. You know, you set one variable and it's going to change it in all the different places versus jQuery where you're, you, you, you say hide this and then you have to set all the different states um, unless you're writing jQuery in a super organized way. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's up know. to you to be that disciplined. Right, right. And, um, but we, we definitely weren't, um, doing that to, I mean, and that's a, that's a tricky thing to do to write jQuery in that sort of way, which is why Vue was so fantastic. So it got rid of a lot of bugs, um, just by, uh, implementing it. Like, I think if we would have implemented the issue boards 
from scratch with jQuery, with all that dragging and all of those state management things, I think it would have taken just a tremendous amount more time to do it. Um, what do you think, Phil? Yeah, issue buzz is crazy. There's just so much state going on that we need to keep track of. There's um, there's the lists on each card, there's labels, there's assignees, there's the issue number. And all this is just crazy. We just get back to the one Ajax request. It all just renders and we just handle the drag and drop and send off Ajax requests. So it sounds like you are getting to a point with the jQuery where people were afraid to work on some parts of the app. And maybe there were some parts of the app where it's like, you know, I think Phil knows what's going on here. Maybe we can have Phil do this one. <laughs> you know, because no one else really understands what's going on because it, there's so much you have to keep in your head. Was that the case? Yeah. There's always so much to keep track of. Do you remember uh, Notes.js, which is the thing that took care of all the commenting and the Ajax request with the commenting and stuff? That that was all jQuery and like particularly complicated and uh, you kind of always entered it with caution. It was well-written. There was just like nothing wrong with it, but it was, it was tricky. It was tricky stuff. Yeah, and because it was compiled from CoffeeScript to JavaScript, like in a, it was like a script. The, the JavaScript was very, very bad. Uh, you would have all this uh, bad syntax on it. It's hard to read. So that made it even worse. Yeah, there, so there was one weekend where I had been trying to figure out how we were going to convert from CoffeeScript to JavaScript because it was clear that like everybody wanted to write JavaScript um, and we could like advance ourselves so much further because ES6 had already been, you know, ES6 was already surpassing the things that CoffeeScript was trying to fix. And uh, we, we wrote this script that would just take the output of CoffeeScript and make it our source code. Um, and then that wound up uh, creating a lot of like compiled like CoffeeScript. Now, I think Winnie went in, I think it was Winnie went in there and like fixed all of the um, crazy little isms that CoffeeScript created and, and, and fixed all those. But, you know, it was... It the was isms, kind of like what do you mean by that? So like CoffeeScript, like it's, it's doing these ES6-like things. In order to do that, it has to write it in ES5. Yeah, so like wrapped functions in wrapped function in uh, right. soft functions. It was mm. so bad. So in order to do like the... Yeah, so like in order to do like the fat arrow, like to keep that that uh, scoping and everything, it had to like wrap it and then it had to like declare. It was the hoisting part of it, yeah. It was very hard to read. Yeah. You would have like 10 lines of ASLint disabled things in the top of it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh no, so you were using ESLint, but the, your need... Everything was disabled. Like weren't matching with it. Oh no, oh no. It was, it more was like, very bad, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was like we had to, we would eventually get to the point where we had ESLint in, in good nick, but um, it took a little bit of time. Yeah. That, that was that, actually a good thing because the ESLint edition was from a contributor, like was from someone that wasn't working with us at the time. So it was actually a great thing that you get linting for free. None of us had to work on it. Uh, someone else did. And then we hired him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what was... Going into view, I'm sure it wasn't just roses all the time. You know, it was like, oh, wow, I just feel so much better about our code. We have no pain points. Oh, uh, what were some of the thorns? What were some of the... <laughs> what were some of the thorns? And, and especially early on, like, uh, it sounds like Phil had some hesitations about Vue. Like, what were some things before you even adopted it that you were worried about? So for the first major feature we did, it was um, there's little buttons on major quest comments that you click and then it resolves the comments and it resolves discussions. And in my head, I'm thinking it's just a simple click event on a button. Do we need view for this? 
and then we, me and Jacob just talked about the state that we need to manage and how we need to update like 10 so dominant dominant at once so I sort of came around to it and then so that was probably the biggest hurdle and then after that the biggest hurdle was integrating the view into jQuery so all mm, the comments just... poll in jQuery we need to then initialize the actual component inside of a jQuery element mm. and it just get it just got super hacky and it was just horrible to work with it, it was that mixture of because um, we were working with Hamel and the Rails way of doing things is where you have CoffeeScript and and like it does its own JSON, like not JSON. It's like um, it injects HTML into the page. It has its own special inject function uh, or jQuery uses a special inject function. Um, so it does all that. And so like like when I first joined, like day one that I joined, um, like everything was this like .js.erb thing or .js.haml, I think it was. And like you have this one file that's .js.haml where it's like a mixture of Ruby, Haml, and JavaScript, and it just gets injected in. And then like trying to like, because the app is just like, we have so many features. We have a lot of features. And so you're trying to like take that out and put the view stuff in. And obviously you're not going to rewrite everything so um, yeah you don't want to completely greenfield it because you don't want to just stop developing any new features for a few months while you while you work things out and probably you know possibly fix some bugs but possibly also create some new bugs you know by throwing everything out and recreating it all at once yeah (laughs) yeah is that well i mean and our thing is to you know we keep we're constantly moving we're creating new features we don't stop and so to to like say we're going to switch over to view is not something where you you know, we have to switch over to view while not stopping to create new features. You know, we have to keep uh, keep the train moving. So, uh, so how did you resolve that jQuery view integration? You know, were there are there any tips that you have that you've developed when it's like, oh wow, like this is a way that works really well. The TPs don't do it ever. <laughs> <laughs> it was a slow process, though. It wasn't like I think that's the big thing is that it wasn't overnight. You know, there was a lot of things that we had in mind, like a big plan in place you know like we wanted to have webpack in and we wanted all these different things so um, um we use bootstrap which is jquery and we have uh, a few bugs so um, i think the most recent one we were discussing it last, last tuesday we have um a list of of we have an array of objects which is basically an array of users and for each of them we render an avatar and because we use um Bootstrap tooltips with view. Uh, if you over um, any avatar, the username will be exactly the same uh, because, well, jQuery doesn't update like view. So there's this this kinds of problems all the time. We had to, well, we created directives and mixins to handle to handle the the Bootstrap plugins for for view. Mm, so 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 there are some cases where you created view directives to sort of wrap bits of jQuery. Yeah. to make it fit into interview. Okay. We are now getting rid of the, or the plan is to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a good tip. I think that makes sense. And I think the biggest thing is to move incrementally. You know, um, we didn't, like Webpack didn't come in until much, much, much later. And uh, so we were using uh, Sprockets, which is part of, and that was really difficult. Um, I'm trying to remember how it all went down, Phil. Do you remember yeah, Sprockets isn't the best to work with. I remember when we moved from CoffeeScript to JavaScript, we had this weird .es6 file yeah, extension. 
so that we could write ES6 code. And that was a bit weird. Yeah. I'm so sad that that got dropped. It was such a wonderful extension. <laughs> <laughs> I remember having files like that. Me too. It was a gem uh, that allowed us to write ES6. And so then we were writing ES6 and then we, were, then we had to switch over to Webpack. And every, every one of these big major things we did was like a huge undertaking. It was like an absolutely massive undertaking. Is there anything that you'd go back and change, like with the knowledge that you have today? You know, if you could be like the ultimate consultant for GitLab from the future, you know, what kind of advice would you give them? <laughs> I was just going to say what Philippe said, don't do it. But um, really, you regret no. it. I, I wouldn't say don't do it. I, I just think that, and I'm not even sure, like, if you had to do it again, if we, like, I think Philippe's thing, like, when Philippa came in, she really was. Um, fantastic in the way that she um, was like, we need to have a consistent way that we all write view. We need to. And so like, I think if a little more planning went in from the get go to say like, this is how we're going to write view. And to be clear, I mean, like at the time there wasn't like a whole lot of that because we adopted view very early on in the view days. So there wasn't um, a lot of that in there, but I think if we would have all came up with a plan, um, which is also tricky because you're still trying to like create new features and not stop and all that stuff. That's the trickiest thing. You're trying to like hop on a moving train. Um, but I think if we could have like solidified the way that we were all going to, to write it from the get-go, that, that might've helped out. Yeah. We struggled when we, when we added view, but then we struggled again when further down the road, we added UX uh, because well, it's very permissive the way you can use UX. Um, there's not like a very strict guideline on how you should use it. So um, it, it took us a few a few months to know exactly how, what, what we wanted. Um, and I don't think everybody was necessarily in agreement about how we should do Like even once we started using it, not everybody was in agreement about the, the way to write it, even though we already had docs and all that stuff. So I think you know, like coming to a consensus. Although, I mean, I think it worked out in the end just fine. It, it was, you know, sometimes you got to, it's like ripping a Band-Aid off uh, to get these things going. Um, yeah. So would you say that that one thing you would have done maybe earlier is to establish those like best practices, like have those discussions about how you're writing view? Oh yeah, definitely. But hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I mean, mm -hmm a lot of the, the reasons that I know these things now and a lot of the things that we know now is because we got to go through like a bunch of different learning experiences. Oh yeah, but this, this scenario is consultant from the future. All right. <laughs> so, so it sounds like you, you'd go back in time and essentially say like, okay, there's this woman, like this, this fantastic engineer named Philippa Lacerda. You need to hire her now, not later. <laughs> right, you got to get her to apply like earlier so that she can, um, you know, crack the whip and tell us all how we should be writing view uh, from the get-go. I mean, I think, I think that 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 um, once we all adopted it, um, really, it when you are all writing code in the same way, you spend less time reviewing code um, because. And if someone's not writing it in the same way, you can say, "Hey, let's all write it in the same way," and it just makes it easier to review it. Yeah, that's true, and it. And on code reviews, like reviewing a, you know, a merge request or how, however the process is at GitLab, like it, it can be really easy for discussions to devolve around, you know, well, I prefer this and I prefer this. And then, and then you're not really going anywhere. And eventually you just like go with whoever, you know, the senior developer is, or you just go with whatever is already there or 
you know, there's whatever, a lot but then, but then, and but one then of your best engineers quits time it comes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like front end development is, is, is very tricky because there's so many different choices. It's uh, and it's a fire hose of information and even within like view, there's a, like so many different choices, and uh, and sometimes it's hard to come to a consensus on like what the right thing is uh, to be doing. And, and you have to have like you have to gain so much knowledge really quickly. Like Vuex is not um, something that you just pick up super super quickly because it's got you know there's opinions behind it and there's ways to do things and you got to kind of figure your way out. And if someone comes in and says, okay, we should do Vuex, it's like, wait a second, what's Vuex? And, and, you know, while you're continuing to do, uh, you know, and so you're writing style guides and all this stuff. So if I, if I could go back and I'm not even sure if Vuex was there and at that time, but I would, I think we would adopt it from the beginning if we could, or the second that it came out, I would say adopt it and, and okay. find out. I think we actually discussed using Redux at the time because Vuex wasn't a thing. We actually discussed using um, Redux. I think it was when we refactored the environments page um, and then a lot of it was pulling and then the user was clicking through it. So you had two states to manage. I remember, I think the three of us and some, some other people were at that call that we discussed having um, a state management, a better way to, to, to handle state management. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to adopt UX. I thought it was, I thought it was stupid in the beginning. I thought it was like, I, w- I was so confused as to why, like what would the, what the point of it was, what was this like pattern and Philippa kept trying to pound it into my head and I was not getting it. Um, so yeah, it definitely took me a while. So you were the fill in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Saying like, do you really need this? Right. I think it's good to have a person like that pushing back and asking questions, you know, making sure that everybody understands like why you're doing this. I think though that there's got to be a lot of people out there that um, there's got to be people that just don't understand. Like at the same position that I was, like they're seeing like Vuex and they're like, "What is this? You know, what is this thing? What like what's the point of it and all that?" Um, and I wonder like how do you get them to the point of understanding that I'm at that it is actually a good thing and get them there faster? It's a it's a tricky thing. Uh, actually, the first the first two features I think where we used Vuex we ended up with more state problems than yeah. without UX because exactly because of this, like most people don't understand um, what you should do with UX. So if you're familiar with Redux, probably it will help. But if you're not, it's hard to get into. Yeah. Mm. Are there any resources or explanations that you found have been really helpful for getting everybody at GitLab on this page in terms of like what Vuex is, like what kinds of problems it solves and how to use it? Yeah, we, we added some documentation and we'll probably be doing some some training for everyone um, in the next month or so, uh, some mandatory thing. Uh, but um, I think there's a very, a very good talk from, uh, I think her name is Clark Lynn. Uh, she gave it at the first React Conf. Um, and she has, she, she does code, cut, code cartoons. Um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of it. Uh, and she, she, she gave an amazing talk explaining how to manage state with Flux. And I think that that is mandatory if you want to understand either Flux, Redux, UX, uh, anything related. Oh, that sounds great. I'll have to get the link later so we can drop it in the show notes. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that solidified it for me is um, uh, we have developer Fatih and I just sat with him and I was like, okay, explain UX to me. Um, like let's, and I recorded it. Um, 
and I watched it a couple of times and, um, and then I started, uh, doing some stuff with Fuex and, uh, that, that really helped me a lot. Uh, just having someone sit down with me. It, it wasn't that I didn't understand it before. I was just trying to understand like why, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You could kind of understand like what's going on, but you're not sure like, how is this helping? Right. Cause you, you have a store and like, you can follow pretty good practices before. Um, and it's talking it, like, you can kind of like get the same thing done sort of with just view if you're really careful, but, um, it, you know, it's not until you actually start using it on much, much larger applications, especially the modules. And I don't even think we started using modules for quite a while after we started using Vuex. Um, I think but, we, like, you use them, don't you, Phil? Yeah, we didn't really have a need for them at first. And so the thing, most thing that uses it the most is the web ID, and there's these different parts of the actual interface to sort of lend itself to these modules, where they can mind its own state, its own actions, its own mutations. Yeah, because our application are very, our applications are usually very small. Like you have one one single page application per per route, so there's not much uh, usage for modules except the YD, the web ID that handles um, the route thing and handles everything on on view. Besides that, there's not much usage for that. You were mentioning issues that you were having at the beginning when you first integrated Vuex. Was that, um, can you speak more to that? Because was it a matter of like you were overcomplicating things or was it something that you just didn't know how to use or it wasn't specific, it wasn't needed for the time that you were integrating it or like what exactly? Yeah, no, the, the pattern issue? we saw was um, like mutations being committed from the components and um, not not following a meaningful state, meaningful actions. Like you would, you would see actions being dispatched, but they would have no meaning. Like you wouldn't know why exactly things were being changed at that time. So I think that was um, the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of uh, like over usage of like refs and things like that, um, which mm -hmm. wasn't, which isn't, which when tied into like Vuex um, made a little bit of a, a mess. Um, that's some of the stuff that I saw too. So accessing the refs is sort of an escape hatch to do some manual DOM manipulation. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if it's true, but I kind of, when I look at refs, I say, I think like, there's always a better way <laughs> if you're, if you're using refs. Um, and, and I'm sure there's, uh, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's, there's moments when you should be using it. I'm sure that those, but it, I'm pretty sure it's pretty rare. And, uh, usually when I, I mean, it hasn't come up for me yet, but when I see a ref, I'm like, oh, could you just do it in a different way? And um, Yeah, we have some ref usage because of the jQuery stuff. So right. with Bootstrap, you either use a ref or you will have to query the DOM inside the view component and that it's much better to use a ref than to query the DOM inside the view component. So that's why we use some refs. But if you're in it, but if your whole thing is in view and you don't need to connect to the jQuery stuff, you probably yeah should. we don't have yeah we don't have ref right. user if everything is in view. But then again, we don't have any page where everything is in view. We right. always have jQuery. So yeah, I think I think one area I've noticed where refs can be very appropriate is when you need to modify like ephemeral DOM state, like state that you can't modify just like the HTML to to change so for example when you need to like focus an element 
yeah, programmatically. Yeah. Yeah. That's a case where like, yeah, a ref totally makes sense. Right. Right. But you can see how it could be abused. Oh yeah, way. absolutely. I mean, you could, you, you could just have a component that is a div and then like uncreated or like un- unmounted, you access the ref and then just change that div. And then you're, and, and you could just be like using all jQuery from there. You could, you could have, <laughs> you could have a view component <laughs> with none of the benefit, essentially. Yeah, you could just have a view component that has jQuery installed and then just do your spaghetti code within the view component. Yep, within the mounted. Yeah, just I all think, within the mounted. I think we still have a few of those. <laughs> and all it does is render a div. Yeah. Would, I mean, seriously though, like that could be a good place to start. Like if you have like, okay, we want to at least, at least modularize like this group of jQuery code, you know, so that it's this separate thing that's not mixed in with all these other things. You know, you could start with that and basically view isn't doing anything, but, but it's in, but it's in exactly. Right. And, and then you can start pulling out parts of the, the jQuery and, and adding more like real view code. I think that was one, that for me, that was one of the biggest things is like, we kept coming upon this thing where it was, it felt like it was all or nothing. It was like you either rewrite like large sections of the page in view or you don't. And it was hard to find like a middle ground where you could just like kind of maybe insert it a little, you know, that idea that you have is just, it's a really good idea. Um, it was just always a little bit hard to find like a middle ground where you weren't just like ripping everything out and inserting view and it turned into this huge merge request. And um, yeah, that was a major sticking point. Yeah. And I think another thing is that, you know, these huge blocks of jQuery can also usually be broken down into subcomponents so that at some level, like you can still use a component-based architecture to get these like concrete things that only handle like one specific kind of thing. Um, and that way you can, you can organize things with view, but you still are, uh, let's see, you're, you're still using jQuery essentially everywhere to do all the heavy lifting. Um, and then, and then at that point, instead of having like one huge component for this whole page, you have like 10 different components for the page and, you know, changing each one can be done independently and can be, can be done a little bit more easily than, than trying to wrap your mind around the whole thing at once. I think we might have, we did something similar to that, right, Phil, for the, for the issue page sidebar? Yeah, the issue page sidebar probably is this weird little mediator type of setup <laughs> where it goes through a class and updates some jQuery stuff and upgrade, updates other components. So changing topics a little bit, you know, GitLab is a little bit different from most software teams, I'd say, partly in the sense that it's open source. You know, so any code that you write is, or maybe not all the code, but a lot of the code that you write at least is freely available for like anyone in the world to see. All the code. All the code? Really? All of it? All the code. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So... I, I was kind of curious, like, what are the unique challenges of maintaining an open source view app? Or, or are there any? There are good things. So when we started uh, using Vue, um, uh, with Vue 1, we wouldn't have um, view files, I think. So we were using JavaScript files. But for that, we need an extra, an extra tool to compile everything. And we have, like, this roadmap issue um, to 
move all JavaScript files into view files, all the components into view, into view files components. And we have a contributor that has been doing this that for us. Like he's been steadily help, helping us moving everything to a to a better state. So there are there are very good things. Deploy more, pay less with DigitalOcean the simplest all-in-one cloud computing platform for developers. Scale and run cloud applications faster and more efficiently with effortless administration tools to robust compute, flexible configurations, networking services, real-time alerts, and rapid provisioning while enjoying industry-leading price-to-performance with a flat pricing structure across all global data center regions at any usage volume. Spend more time building better web apps and less time worrying about managing infrastructure with DigitalOcean. Build your next app on DigitalOcean. Get started with a free $100 credit at do slash co slash views on view. Awesome. And I think um, it's not just the um, not just the code, but most of the discussion behind the code is uh, most of the discussion behind the code is also out in the open too. So that's another um, that's another tricky thing too. If, I mean, if you're not used to that. Um, then it's definitely a tricky thing because you're, you're, you're making these, like you're trying to build consensus kind of while everybody's watching, um, which, you know, consensus building is, feels like a more private, uh, private idea, like a more private matter. So that's, that's a tricky thing too, because people have like different opinions about how things should go down. So, but it's really important to, uh, get the whole team on the same page. Um, but you just have to do that out in the open. Yeah, when I first started getting into open source, one of the the biggest barriers for me was just how vulnerable I felt. It's like, but what if I decide later that I, this was this was stupid, and what if I find out later is like, oh yeah, this is totally the wrong way to solve the problem. And, well, and the truth is okay. like, yeah, the, the truth is like that happens, and yeah. it's okay. But it, it, you just go there and say, look, I was wrong. Uh, let's make it the other way. We've learned something in the in the process. That's okay. Yeah. It took me a while to get to a point where I could be okay with people seeing my shame. And now I, I, I still have some open source libraries that you know have not needed any kind of updates or anything. And I've purposely not updated. Uh, that is like, it's written poorly, but you know what? It works. And it's like, it's tested and stuff like that. So like, it, you know, we can confirm that it works. But like in Ruby, for example, like one of my first open source Ruby projects, I was using uh, if some condition, then. And the then, a lot of people don't even know that you can have a then, but like you can, and it's totally unnecessary. Like it doesn't do anything. And so like when I started working with more people, they made fun of me for the then, but I, I'm keeping it. Yeah, that's the thing. And especially when you're moving like fast, you, you know, you're releasing stuff every month and you're releasing it in the open source. You're kind of like the stuff that you... you, you I'd say you're moving faster than like a, a, you know, where in some other companies you might like take months to like craft every single little detail and stuff. And where at GitLab you're iterating, um, it's especially a vulnerable uh, thing to to just, you know, put stuff out there um, as, as like a first iteration. Kind of curious, have you had people leave GitLab because like they weren't comfortable with that kind of workflow because they weren't comfortable being that vulnerable. I, I don't think um, anybody's, I think more what's happened is like people come in and they're just kind of like shocked. Uh, but before everyone joins, like everyone that joins knows that GitLab is completely public. Our end book is public. Our interview process is public. 
so you actually have to read bits of the handbook before going through the interview process. So I don't think it's a scenario where you get hired and all of a sudden you realize everything is open. You, you already know that part. Oh, that's great. We also have, I mean, we get a tremendous amount of people that apply in a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of really fanatic GitLab, like people that want to be GitLabbers. And so a lot of the people that come in are like ready to do the GitLab thing um, from the start, which is really cool. I'm curious, was the public or the community privy to the conversation that you had when you were switching over to Vue? Yeah. Oh yeah. It was out, all out in the open. And I'll tell you something that just kept happening is that like the public wanted us to switch to React because we kept getting these merge requests where like, because in, in Sprockets, it's really easy. You just add alliances, React, and then bam, it's in. So we just kept getting these, these merge requests that had React, like a full feature made in React. Um, even after we chose Vue, uh, that happened several times. And, um, and the, and the people had, you know, different opinions about it, but the community was so incredibly, uh, supportive and very helpful in, uh, you know, that's the thing that you, th- you think like if you're out in the open, people are going to criticize you and people are going to make fun of you. But usually what happens is that people are just willing to help and people are very nice and kind. And, um, and if they see a bug they they usually just report it and they're like, Hey, I think this should be fixed or they fix it themselves and they put out the code and, you know, as long as everybody's nice, it usually turns into this wonderful like community situation where everybody's just uh, kind and helping each other out. Yeah. So when people go ahead. when people committed React code, did they did you have to nudge them and be like, "Can you convert this to Vue?" And I, were they receptive to that? I well, what I did is I just said, "Hey, you know, we really appreciate the contribution. Like, we really, I think that's the part. Like, we really, really appreciate it. Really do appreciate it when you can con- contribute." Um, however, <laughs> we are not using React at this time, and so um, we're not going to use this in its current state. Uh, we are using Vue. If you want to, you know, move it over, I'll close this for now. But feel free to like put it into a situation that <laughs> kind of works for us. Um, you, you feel bad because it's, it's a lot of times it's a, like a lot of code and oh, completely, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to talk, talk about. We were kind of earlier talking about some problems uh, about backend integration. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. <laughs> we're thinking, thinking on the same wavelength. Yeah, how, what was your backend integration? What's your backend like? What was the integration with Vue like? How did you find that to be compared to what you're doing already with jQuery? What troubles and challenges did you find? I tried to say from the beginning that we were going to do this JSON return, you know, return JSON all the time. And, you know, like we didn't have, we kind of had a mixture in the front end of, some things were using a couple of things were using the API. A lot of stuff was using the Rails. Uh, a lot of stuff was using the Rails, um, like HTML returns, and a lot of stuff was just being like rendered uh, by Haml and stuff like that. And so we had to like I, I tried to work with Dimitri to find like a good way to do JSON. And so in the beginning, like it was just a bunch of in the very very beginning, it was a bunch of like respond to uh, JSON and like just returning like JSON on a on a one-off basis. Uh, and, and then I think slowly we started to go in a, in a different direction. I mean, I'm not, but in the beginning it was, it was really tricky because like we just weren't doing anything that was like preparing us to, to use Vue as a backend. We still have a few problems though. So because everything is server-side rendering and there's a lot of information that are either on the global scope or just on the server. So, um, 
everything, all the routes are handled by by Rails. So if you if you want to provide routes into a into the view application, you either uh, duplicate everything, and you will have a big problem if you change a route, or you need to provide them through. What we do is we use the the server side rendering demo. Uh, provide them through data attributes and then consume them as properties in in the view application, which is something um, doesn't. Um, it's not very maintainable when you have tons of code. So it's something that we are looking forward to change. When you get a chance to do it, um, you know, from the get go, um, which I'm getting a little bit of chance to do right now. You can, you know, you can, can set up your perfect. Uh, API and um, you can just have view do everything like you can run the view CLI and uh, and just like start from there and that's like a really really perfect situation but it's tricky um, like if you already have stuff that's built to uh, and and especially like a, a ton of stuff that's already put in place it's really tricky to um, to kind of change the ways of the existing uh, application. I think we're moving toward, towards a public, a public API, though, because we have a public API and internal API. Uh, they do different things. And I think we are moving towards just one, um, so we can have everything in the API. Have just yeah. one single page application per per area. Uh, so right now, in every route that has view, we, we have one or more um, view applications. And the goal is to have bigger ones, like we have with the web ID that you don't pass that much data from from Rails into, into view in every single route. So our goal is to remove all of that. I think the other thing to remember, though, is like, it's like, if, if you're thinking, like, why didn't we do this already? Because it's like, the focus is to is to make GitLab better and to create these features. So a lot of times the features are taking the, uh, the priority more than just like changing the infrastructure of our view stuff. That has to happen slowly. Uh, or a lot slower than, you know. Yeah, now that we know better how to handle view and how to handle view X, we are, we are like in the beginning, we were learning how, what to do with view and we were actually learning what we were doing wrong. So now that we already know, so I think for the past five months, we are moving uh, a little bit faster in some directions, like like this this main, this bigger single page applications. We are We actually have a solid plan on how to, how to handle reusable components now. Uh, so it got us, it took us um, a lot of mistakes, but now, but now we, are, we are heading in a good direction. I'm curious, you say you're doing uh, a lot of server-side rendering. Um, you're not talking about just initial pages, right? You're talking about through the whole app using Rails? Yeah. So would you, based on your experiences with Vue, do you feel like the, the pairing isn't as perfect, would you move away from having so much server-side rendered code and let Vue do more of the rendering if that were feasible and easy? Yeah, the way it is right now, it's not. Look, it works, but performance-wise, it isn't great because you have to wait for the server-side rendering and then you have to wait for the view application to be mounted and then you have to wait for the API request setup. And so you, you wait uh, a lot more than you would have if it was uh, just one 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 of the ways. So, right. I, but I think maybe when we started, uh, there was no better way to do it without stopping um, development for a while. I, I don't know, uh, but um, we are we are thinking of 
of changing that exactly with the, the biggest um, single page applications. Maybe even having, I don't think that will happen in GitLab, but if you if you want server side rendering, better do it with you uh, instead of instead of Rails and then Vue. Well, I mean, granted, it's super cool the fact that it just it it works and you can do this. You can go from a system where you got Rails, you got all the server side rendering, and still be able to add in Vue because most of the time when you have a system like that, you're like, well. We just need a little bit of stuff. Let's just throw in some jQuery and you feel stuck there. So it's so cool that this is an option. But it does seem like the two kind of want to fight against each other. And, and all the other frameworks have the same problem. At least they, they're just trying to do their initial renderings in the server side because of the performance. Right? Yeah, we have that problem. But uh, it, it's getting better. So I think we will get in a better state. That's the problem is you, you say, I just want to add a little bit of jQuery, but you never just add a little bit of jQuery. <laughs> it's just, it just keeps building and building until, you know, yeah. Is this like a drug user? It's like, I just, I just want one hit, one hit and then I'm done. It's probably more like a Beanie Baby collection or something like that. Because it's, it's not, not worth very much in the end. It's, uh, it's not that bad. Like if you remember when you didn't add jQuery, it, would, it was a lot worse uh, try manipulating the DOM without jQuery and without having oh, fewer React. Yeah, it absolutely. Was a lot worse. Now, so I don't think, like, we've been comparing jQuery with Vue, but I'm not sure if they're comparable because I would compare, like, Vue with Backbone or Angular or, or Ember that used jQuery, not jQuery. Which I, I think it's a little bit unfair to compare both. Yeah, one, I mean, one's just, you know, a DOM manipulation situation. Views like a big, but the, the, the other thing is like, yeah, we, like, we could have continued with the jQuery stuff. We were functional and we got stuff done and we could, and I mean, we probably could have built the whole issue boards with jQuery and we probably would have come up with some really good structural ideas and, um, you know, we would have definitely got there, um. So yeah, just a little. It just would take would take a lot longer. Like Phil did the boards in one month. I don't think. Do you think you could do that in one month with jQuery, Phil? There's no way. Yeah, I think I think jQuery is more of like a, a general purpose utility library. You know, so it's like Lodash, but its scope is so broad that it's just like anything you might want to do, like in on the client. It's so You're, easy that you wind up just you wind up using it for way more than you should be using. And it's so easy that you just wind up suddenly writing a ton of it. And uh, yeah. So you're kind of moving into one of the other questions that I had. And we touched on it a few other times that basically is the big question of, was it worth it? And uh, I sort of mentioned this before we started, but it's easy as a developer to say, it's always worth it to go and use the new latest shiny fun tools. We all like playing with whatever is fun and new as developers, but from a really from a business standpoint, from a productive productivity standpoint, after all this is done, in what ways is GitLab better off from a business standpoint, user experience standpoint, et cetera? I mean, I know for sure it was definitely 100% worth it, even though there were struggles. I mean, I think if you look at, um, I, I, I think that um, our struggles are linear where I think they would have been exponential uh, if we would have continued in the, the current way that we were going. I mean, there's no question about it, even though we had, a, you know, a lot of things to overcome to adopt you, it was without a doubt, absolutely uh, worth it. Um, and, and the other thing is that I don't think we took it. I, I certainly didn't take it as like the new shiny toy. Like I never want to just like adopt the new shiny toy. I was, 
for me at least, and I know um, in, in the conversations with Phil, it was like, is this going to make our lives easier? Um, because, you know, you compare TVs in the store, but once you get home, you have it and then you got it and you don't compare it to anything else anymore because you're using it. Um, so there's no reason to like continually compare it to other frameworks to us. It was like, this is, this is going to actually make our lives easier. This is going to like, um, and so specifically, like you just talk about, like Philippa said that you have like the issue boards that took a shorter amount of time than they would have taken. Um, and then even just proof of concepts, like, um, like the web IDE, uh, the first round that I did with it, I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily write it fantastically. I didn't follow all the best practices, but I did get it to a point where it was like a proof of concept that we could uh, build upon. I know I don't think I could have ever written that thing in jQuery or like gotten that idea out there in one month. Um, you know, it was almost too big for one month for, I was definitely too big for one month for you also. But um, so from, a, from a business perspective, these proof of concepts that you want to create are so easy to to, to just like, spit them out with view, especially now that you have like the view CLI, um, you just like write a thing and it's already got ES, like all these things that you struggled with before to get like adopted. It's already kind of got them all pre-built in and it's really, really nice. So proof of concept wise, that's just fantastic. So it sounds like, like being able to iterate really quickly, like much faster than you were before is, is one advantage that you came across. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then less bugs because bugs cost money. I know, I know that we definitely created far uh, less bugs than we would have before. Um, I mean, there's tons, tons of advantages to switching uh, to view. And then also you have, um, cause like a stressed out developer, like a happy developer is worth more than a, than a, like from a business standpoint is worth more than a stressed out developer because a stressed out developer is not going to be as productive and they're not going to want to do their job. And um, when life is easier then you know, by using view, if life is easier, then, um, then that's going to make a better situation for the person, especially. And then also everybody else is going to benefit as well. Um, I think it just makes it a more pleasant development experience. So there's someone that I was talking to a little while ago who, you know, is still mostly using jQuery and they confessed to me, you know, like I've been, been programming for a while. I, I can build stuff with jQuery, like all this new stuff that's coming out. Like, you know, I don't have a computer science degree or something. Like I, I worry that like, I might not, I, I might just not be smart enough for it. Which is ridiculous because I mean, it's not ridiculous. It's, the, it's like an, it's an, it's a common idea, especially when you use something for a long time, you know, um, and especially like when you're, you're good at it, you've got your, you've got your thing down, you know how to do it and everything. Um, I think of all the things that you would try, Vue is the best one to just step out uh, and give it a try because the, the um, what is that called? The curve? <laughs> the, learning curve? the learning curve is just really, really, really small. To just even be productive, it's just so, so small. I think I understood the feeling of your friend. It's like a feeling of being feeling of missing out on all the shiny things. How do you learn all these things? Because it's just, it's just not, it's not just learning a tool. You actually need to learn the component system. Like it, it's not, it's not worth it. If you go into a, into in, an interview saying, yeah, I can review, but then you cannot explain the component system because then it's not, I don't think it's, 
it doesn't matter how to, to know how to work with you if you don't understand the concept behind it. Uh, but I think everyone, even if you are using Vue and Vuex, I still have that feeling all the time. Like, uh, what if I have to leave GitLab and go to a React company? Like, I don't know React anymore. I think everyone has that, that feeling. But I think it's also like you said, like you were talking about the idea that you could just take jQuery and put it into a Vue component. Like there's the small steps that you can take with Vue. Maybe if that's not the first small step, that idea that you can be productive so early on makes it like a good, it, it makes it a really good choice. And, and there is, that's the thing with front-end development. There's like so many new shiny things coming out mm-hmm. all the time and you're just constantly looking at them and you have a fear of missing out, right? It's just the FOMO, like Felipe said, and, and should I be trying all those? And like, you've got your thing that works and all that stuff. But So, so it sounds like you'd say like, drop it in with a script tag like jQuery, like forget about Babel, forget about like Webpack, forget about like hot reloading and like all these, you know, dot view files, you know, all, all these different tools that we can use to improve our developer experience and just like start writing some code? Well, we certainly didn't yeah. know about all those things from the beginning. Like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're, go ahead. I was going to say it's a lot more useful if you know the core language. Uh, like if you don't know JavaScript, uh, down the road, you cannot, you can't write maintainable code. It doesn't matter if you know a tool very well. You need to actually know the basics, you know. You need to learn how to use a browser, uh, how to write the core features, how to, how to use a map, a reducer, uh, those kind of things are a lot more important. Uh, even when you're learning a new tool like Vue or, or Redux or Angular or whatever the tool is. But I would also say that for your friend who, uh, you know, has been doing jQuery for a really long time. I mean, that's how I started with Vue is just dropping it in a script tag. And um, that, that first step is just, uh, you know, and you don't need, you don't necessarily need uh, to know Webpack to know the intro to view. You do not need that, like for your first uh, minute. Um, and and I don't think, like to learn all the parts of view because it's so incremental, they are, all the parts are there and you'll learn them, but it's so functional even as you learn those individual parts, if that makes sense. I'm not sure I do completely understand. So, like, you can't really go skydiving until you understand all the parts. Otherwise, you know, like, you can't just take a, a leap of faith out of a, a, you know, just knowing a tiny little bit about skydiving. But, like, with Vue, if you understand, like, you know, the double, uh, the, the handlebar thing and you understand the binding, it's like with a data something or other. If you understand that, you can already get something done. And then you can move on to components. Like, you technically, I'm not saying it's the, I'm not saying it's the best code ever, but you can technically do stuff without components in Vue. Like you just have an app and you can just like write things without components at all and it'll still work, right? Not saying it's the best thing, but it's still functional and it does work. Um, like it, it physically works. The main thing is like you need to understand what problem you're solving. Uh, so if, you're not, if you don't understand what Vue is solving, uh, then you probably won't understand how to use Vue. It's, it's the same problem we had with Vuex. Uh, so we, we had a lot of discussions uh, in GitLab because not everyone understood exactly what Flux, which problem Flux was, dis- was solving, uh, which, which problem would Vuex solve for us. So until we got to the page where we, we got everyone to understand exactly what is the problem that these two solves, solve, um, then it's harder to get them what resources would you recommend to help people understand like what exactly like is view solving? What does it do? What is it for? 
besides talking to Philippa, like we should just give out Philippa's information. Everybody can call Philippa and get it. Yeah, we'll be leaving her phone number in the show notes. Yeah, and Phil, and Phil. Phil's really good at explaining this stuff. And so is Fatih. Yeah, but you know, not to um, suck up, but those view docs are really, really good. And I, I, when I was learning this stuff, I didn't use anything other than the view docs because the docs are just so good. Um, So I think if you start with the docs, like Philippa tells me all the time, she's like, it's in the docs. Everything you need to know is in the docs, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it tells you that like... With, with, with some exceptions. I mean, there, there are times where it's like, oh yeah, I guess I don't mention this anywhere and then I have to add it, so... Right, right. It, you're, you're not crazy. You're not going crazy if you can't find something. Uh, it, it may be my mistake, so feel free to open a pull request or, or an issue. Right, but you can just like... like I, I think I tweeted this, but it was like that... Because my friend just called me the other day and he's like, I need, I don't want to use React. I want to try out Vue and all this stuff. And he's like, can you give me some YouTube tutorials and stuff like that that I should look at? And I'm like, well, just go look at the docs, go read the docs because that will solve all of your problems. Like I promise you could just use the docs and that's, that's enough. Um, it's, it's one of those frameworks that really just, I'm not sure, I don't, I haven't totally figured out if like you're just really good at writing docs or Vue's so simple that you can just use the docs but I've never had a situation where I'm like, just like, you know, usually back in the day, you would start watching a bunch of YouTube videos and all this stuff. And you don't, you just really don't have to do that. Um, yeah, I, it's sort of a long story, but I think with you too, we kind of stumbled on something that was like basically documentation driven development. Like I was writing the docs as like Evan was building the main library. <laughs> That's a really good idea. And this isn't something that was planned or anything, but like I would run into things where it's like, I'm not sure how to explain this. Like, it seems like it seems confusing that it works like this here when it works like that there. Right. Uh, and then we'd have a discussion and, you know, like uh, on the team, like someone would come up with some, some better idea. And it's like, oh, wouldn't it be like, what if we did it this way? Like, and that could still work here. And then like, we'd be able to explain it. And it's like, oh yeah, that works perfectly. Yeah, I... I I think that those, I mean, those have got to be the best docs that I've ever seen because the one thing that's really good about them is this, especially if like you're the person, like your friend who doesn't want to like really take the leap, is that they're also, they're very concise too. They're not like extensive, like 90,000 pages of really complicated, like they're, they're written in very, um, like it's like someone's speaking to you and they're short. There's not, not a ton of, uh, it's not overly not a ton of stuff to read. Yeah, it's not overly verbose or anything like that. It's like very um, well communicated and it's short and concise. It's yeah. terse. And I, I do have to say we have like so many, we have hundreds, hundreds of contributors to the docs. And a lot of the stuff that I've developed, like I am like taking inspiration from other things in the community. Like, you know, GitLab, for example, had a style guide before we did. And the, the style guide that uh, I think Philippa mostly wrote was one of my prime sources of inspiration for developing our internal style guide that we use for the whole view community. Uh, the source of inspiration for that was the React style guide. So, Yeah, and I, I looked at that too. You're talking about the Airbnb one? Yeah. Yeah. And I looked at Embers and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really just drawing from people who like, have thought about these problems like, much more than I have and trying to distill best practices from those. Yeah, and that's the thing is that... like. Um, Although there's, a, you know, although there's a lot of like un, unopinionated ways of writing view, um, after you read the docs, you kind of get the gist of the way that like it's, it's intended to work. And so like if you read the docs completely and you start writing it, you can kind of feel when you're going in the wrong direction. That's uh, that's the way at least it works for me is that 
you get this feeling that like, wait a second, this is, this is all very purposeful and uh, put together very well so that it, you know, works like straight out of the box. I also find myself not having to like, you know, I, I don't find myself like looking up like drop down libraries or, you know, like you used to do in jQuery, look, look, look up all these plugins and stuff because it's, it's usually like, um, inconsequential to write the thing in the first place, um, with Vue that you, I don't think I've ever used, and I know there's all this stuff out there for Vue, uh, all these, um, components that people create, but I don't think that we wound up using anything like that. No, it's planned, but we haven't used it yet. Uh, we will uh, be using it soon. Have you, um, have you guys implemented plugins internally as you were building out components for Vue, though, even though you don't use external plugins? Um, Can you ask that again? So. Yeah, have you, have, you actually, have you guys created um, plugins or components, or not components, but plugins that you use in your Vue application? For example, like if it's used across multiple places, you would just like put it in a plugin and then include it elsewhere. Have you done that before, or it's mostly just, um, it's mostly just components? Component. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one place. There's one place where you use a plugin. It's the um, internationalization. Oh yeah, it's from like really old libraries. So all our local go through a plugin that we just made. Gotcha. Okay, that's really cool, and that's open source. So yeah, <laughs> that's really sweet. It was actually really cool. Phil, you wrote that, right? That Yeah, so I didn't actually write the library behind it. It uses some super old lib JavaScript <laughs> library behind it, but it's just a simple plugin that adds in methods that we can use in Vue. So what, what was your decision when you decided to create that as a plugin? Um, was it just because it was being used in multiple places and you figured that that was the best? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. It was going to be used everywhere. Yeah. So it's, like, it's, a, it's a Vue plugin built on top of... Um, actual JavaScript message, so it just like pushes out to them methods, create somewhere else that you can use yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that's super cool. Okay, how about we move on to picks? Unless anyone has any burning questions. Beautiful, excellent. So picks is where we pick a few things and uh, that we're into that may have to do with development or not development. Do you run your own freelance business, or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side? Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter DevChat in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And I'm going to say, Joe, would you like to go first? Absolutely. So I got three picks today, which is kind of a lot, but I'm really <laughs> excited about all of them. <laughs> all right. So the first one, I want to uh, again re uh, mention that we've got the Framework Summit coming up at the beginning of October. Come out and uh, 
spent a couple of days at a fantastic conference about all front-end frameworks. Chris, listen to Chris speaking and Divya speaking. But uh, there's something new that's happening in association with the Framework Summit that is really uh, exciting and I'm excited to kind of announce here. The day before the Framework Summit, we're going to be having, and this is sort of a working name at the moment, but uh, Framework Creator Summit, where the teams of Vue, Angular, React, Ember, Elm will all be in the same room together, spending the day talking to each other, learning from each other, and getting better at doing the really important parts of a framework, which is managing communities and open source and all that sort of stuff uh, and, and documentation. And I imagine that Chris will have a lot to give to the other teams on how to run documentation and do it well, uh, since Vue is very well known for its fantastic documentation. So I'm really excited about that. I've learned from other communities too. I don't think, I, I think right. the other docs also like do some really cool things that we're also still learning from. Right. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be uh, part of the Framework Summit um, happening the day before. It's not an attendee event, so it's not something people can go and, and watch, but we will be probably producing some kind of a transcript that will go out to the community. So look for more information about that. My second pick uh, is very view related. Uh, I don't know that we even mentioned this, but sometime last week, the Vue GitHub project passed React for a number of stars, uh, which is a pretty big milestone. But even though that's very noteworthy, I think what was far, far, far more noteworthy is that the React team sent a cake to Evan Yu to congratulate him uh, on this occurrence. And there's this really cool tweet that Evan put out with a picture of the cake that the React team sent. And I personally think that that is freaking awesome. And one of the reasons why I was really excited to be able to work on the Framework Summit is uh, getting people together to celebrate each other's successes and share knowledge and uh, that life isn't a zero-sum game. As we help each other out, everybody grows and gets better. And so my hat's off to the React team for uh, doing such a really cool thing to send a congratulations cake uh, over to Evan. And finally, something completely unrelated and fun. I like to play Overwatch although I've uninstalled it so that I can get work done. It tends to creep in too much into my work time, so I had to uninstall it recently. But <laughs> I do still occasionally watch YouTube videos about it. I found this great streamer named Jane, J-A-Y-N-E, who does coaching and analysis. So if you're into Overwatch at all, he's a great um, YouTube personality to watch and subscribe to. And those are my picks. Thank you. Divya, would you like to go next? Sure, I will. So my picks is, I have three picks as well. Um, the first one is Sarah, Sarah Drasner's VS Code Extensions for Vue. She published a GitHub repo of that, which is really cool. And I've used it. Um, and it actually helped me because... So last week, I did a live demo of creating a basic form in Vue. And I used all of her extensions and it went beautifully. Uh, I didn't convince... I, it's funny because I, the talk was meant to convince people to use Vue, but it actually convinced people to use VS Code. <laughs> and if anything, like uh, it's kind of successful. Um, so that's one of my picks. The second pick is uh, Adi Osmani's talk at FluentConf, which was about the cost of JavaScript. And he goes into... Adi Osmani does a lot of talks on JavaScript and performance. And so this talk is pretty much that where he goes into detail about um, the recent additions to Chrome and Chrome Dev Tools and so on. And then my third pick 
is this little web app called knitlify.netlify.com, which was done by Mariko Kosamari. And she, I believe, is a developer or developer advocate. She works at Google. And the app essentially takes an image and converts it into stitches that you can use to knit, which I think is really a really neat way of, you know, using technology in a tangible way. So those are my picks. Great. Philippa, would you like to go next? Uh, so I have two picks. One is also from Sarah Dresner. She made uh, these, these two tweets about understanding the almighty reducer. So if you're, if you're new to JavaScript, those are very, very useful. And the second one is for uh, a newsletter that I follow. It's called uh, Coffee Table Typography. And it's if you're into typography, it's the most beautiful uh, newsletter you'll, you'll see about it. You have, uh, type, you have typography from the web, from like design books. Um, and there's this little section in every, in every issue uh, about coffee, which is also very, uh, very nice. And it's, it's a very um, highly curated newsletter. I, I highly recommend it. Excellent. Thank you. Phil Hughes. So I've got two picks. The first one's like completely unrelated to elephant development. Last week, me and my family took a week on holiday to Sense Parks, mainly Europe-based. So if anyone's in Europe, I would totally recommend it. It's nice just to disconnect in the forest. I also went pony riding. She had a whale of a time. I, I totally love Sense Parks. Oh, so it's called Center Parks. Oh, Center Parks. Oh, yeah, it's like okay. a holiday type village in the forest where there's like barely any internet connection. It's so nice just to disconnect from everything. And then the second one, I've been struggling with my wrist and typing at the moment, so I bought myself an ErgoDocs Easy. It's not arrived yet, but I would totally recommend everyone to check it out. Is that a chair? No, it's a split keyboard. Oh, it's a split keyboard. Great. Thank you. So, Jacob, what are your picks? So I have a hard time disconnecting and I always like to do uh, side projects, work on things on the side. And so as a little uh, side project, I'm creating a view app um, for part of our data science team. And uh, since I'm writing the front end and the back end, I wanted to find something that I could just write a really good um, uh, API with. And I've always had a, a ton of fun writing things with Flask. And so um, one of my picks is Flask because I really enjoy uh, writing Python and I enjoy writing Flask because it's just a tiny little framework that doesn't, it doesn't have a lot of opinions and it just, and it's got a lot of really cool, um, you know, the, the database connections and all that stuff. It's really great. SQL Alchemy, it, it's all really cool. And, and the Python community is amazing. Um, and then the only other thing I had was that um, we've been watching the Americans, which is a fantastic show. And if you haven't watched it yet, actually, I think we're going to watch the last episode tonight. And I'm really excited to see uh, what happens in the last episode. It's a really, really good show. Thank you. All right. And my picks, I have three. The first one is viewmeetups.org, which was created by Ben Hong. And it is a great resource for anyone who wants to find meetups in their area or create a meetup. Like it actually gives you a lot of instructions for like what you need to do to create a meetup. Like how do you get sponsorship? Uh, how do you get speakers and stuff like that? Answering a lot of questions that normally no one really answers for you. Like I, I kind of feel like even if you want to start a meetup that is not about you, but just like related to technology, like this is a really good resource to check out. Once again, that's viewmeetups.org. By, uh, created by Ben Hong, a uh, member of our community that we're very grateful for. Uh, my second pick 
is The Witness, which is a game built by a team that's led by the same developer who made Braid, Jonathan Blow. If you've played Braid, it's uh, uh, it's just one of the best games of all time. And uh, I'm really, really enjoying The Witness. It is so relaxing to solve interesting puzzles in a beautiful environment. And I can like jump in and jump out when I only have a little bit of time, which is often the case. Uh, it reminds me of Myst in a lot of ways, which is an older game some of you might know, except I'd strongly, strongly encourage you to not use a guide. Myst was, it could be a little bit like difficult and especially some sequels like Riven. Uh, like if anyone says that they've beaten Riven without a guide, I'm pretty sure they're lying. Like I, I, I can't imagine how that'd be possible because some of the puzzles just don't make any sense. But that is not the case here. Everything is very, very well thought out in The Witness. Uh, and I haven't needed a guide yet. And I think I've almost beaten the game. I'd say if you get stuck, just wander around, do something else, come back to it later. Uh, because you, you will, like the puzzles teach you and you, you will learn more about how everything works as you wander around. And my final pick is something that's a little bit weird. It is a communication tool that my wife and I invented. Uh, we call it our request system. And I now use this with like all of my closest friends, partners uh, to, to communicate about anything. And when you're, when you're asking someone for something, we find this really useful. It goes from zero to four. A zero is something that is not a request, but an offer. A one is something that you'd like, but it's not a big deal if you don't get it. A two is something that you'd really like. It'll make your day. Three is something that you're not sure you'll be okay if you don't get it. And four means you need to drop what you're doing right now and give this to me uh, because I will not be okay. And this is so, so useful. Um, one quick example is if there's like some kind of, you know, like a event that I don't really want to go to, but uh, Katie wants to go to, and she's asked me if I want to go. And you know, normally you could be thinking in your head, like, gosh, like, is this something that's really important? Like they, they don't ask me to go to a lot of things. Like maybe, maybe I have to go. So you, maybe you'll go and you'll hate it the whole time. Not realizing that like, oh, it was actually a zero. Like I was offering, like you can come if you want, but I, I don't care. And if you're just gonna be miserable the whole time, like I'd really prefer you to stay home. So this gives you a tool to start having those conversations. Uh, and like all of, the, all of the fights and arguments that we've avoided by using this system and the same with like other people that I've used it with, it's amazing. It is seriously life-changing. I'm not going to say it again, but you can rewind and listen to it again if you'd like. Uh, it is so, so useful. Uh, I hope it brings much happiness to all. And I think that is all for Views on View. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, what? You Go ahead. You to like expound upon this. Like, so like when you're letting, when you're chatting with your wife, you say, hey, honey, I want to go play golf. Do you want to come with me? This is a zero. Is that like... Is that well, like it or first, if I, if I were asking her if she wanted to play golf, I think it'd be at least a negative three. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd really prefer not to. Like, I think I'll probably have a horrible time. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but, but let's say for the golf example, yeah, you'd say, I, or am I asking her if she wants to come or am I asking her right. if I can go? Or yeah, what, what's the... if she wants to come, right? Like, yeah, so I'd say the opposite of the example you had where she said she invited, wanted you to come to some activity, right? Same yeah, thing. and so I, I'd really like to, to go. Um, I might say, you know, for me, it's a two. Like, I'd really like it. It would, it would make my day if you could join me. 
So is this mostly like verbal communications? Are you just like when you're sending texts back and forth or other types of... Any kind of communication. Okay. Yeah, and if, and if I don't provide a number, she can ask, what number is it? Gotcha. You know, so that she has that context because sometimes we forget to provide it. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you need to like little flashcards. You just hold up the flashcard. <laughs> Well, it's just four numbers. Probably really five numbers if you include zero. So it's not that hard to remember, but I will be writing a 600-page self-help book that will be coming out soon. You can look forward to it. Uh, I think you'd actually end up on the bestseller list or something like that. How long have you been doing this? Oh, uh, years now. Yes. Really? Years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, years. Do you have any, like, in in years? That's why we have no problems in our relationship. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So do you have, have have like shortcuts? You just like, honey, golf, and you hold up like two fingers or something. We don't really need a shortcut. It's it's just the number. It's just the number. Like you don't need like, oh, I, I don't want to say the number four, so I'll just hold up numbers or something. Like that. <laughs> do you prefix your texts with like uh, three dash food? <laughs> It's it's really not that complicated. <laughs> I think it's like. Like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, or like if someone's coming home, uh, you know, like, let's say, you know, I am out and running some errands and Katie texts me and say like, Hey, do you want to pick up some Thai food on the way home? Uh, it's, it's a one for me. Right. Like that. That's, that's an example. Hmm. Or normally she'd just say like, it's a one. Yeah. So I guess that's the shorthand because I assume it's for her. So it's zero is an offer. I don't care. One is no big deal. Yeah, zero is not a request, but an offer. One is you'd like it, but it's not a big deal if you don't get it. Two is you'd really like it. It'll make your day. Three is you're not sure you'll be okay if you don't get it. And four is you need to drop what you're doing right now. So like an example, an example of a four is like, you know, like I've, I've had panic attacks before. If I feel a panic attack coming on and I don't, I don't feel like I can like, get out of it, if it feels like it's spiraling out of my control... Like, I'll tell her it's a four for her to help mm-hmm. me with this. Hmm. That's great because then you can, you can say calmly, you can say, hey, I'd really like your help with the panic attack. It's a four. And you don't have to like scream everything, you know. You don't need to create an emergency. You don't, yeah, you don't need yeah. to use your emotions to uh, give them the clue that it's an emergency. Yeah. Right. Right. When you're, especially when you're like right in the middle of the symphony. <laughs> you don't want to make a bunch of, make a scene. Playing golf and like going to symphonies, what life do you think I lead? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes when I'm at the opera. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I, I, I'm going to wrap it up. So thank you everyone for joining us on Views on View. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, enjoy the view. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.